More paranormal activity. Christopher Guest loves dogs and another night of the living dead this week on 2010. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine. Each and every week taking you back uh, to the best anniversaries of 30, 20, and 10 years ago. From this week, this week being October 16th through the 22nd, and we're going to celebrate all the fun stuff that came out 30, 20, and 10 years ago. That means 1990, 2000, and uh, 2010. Hi, I'm one of yours, Chris, and Tisha. I'm a freelancer for American Bitch Magazine, Diana Goodman. <laughs> it's me, Sarah, the Buck Laughlin of this podcast. Oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, goodness. I don't understand any of those references yet, but I'm sure we're gonna. Uh, there's an outlandish amount of interesting movies to talk about, but no, like, solid breakout classics, but just fascinating movies. Well, you think so? There's one. One? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. Sorry. There's one little piece of comedic gold that is in here. Mm-hmm. Oh, it just seems so little compared to all these other high-profile failures. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's, so, that's so fascinating. Uh, welcome to 1990, everyone. My, I, the site I get my news from went down. I'm trying to think of something that happened during this era. Let me see. Did, did Diana write down? Did Leonard Bernstein die? <laughs> I think that happened. That was last week. That was yeah. la- okay, that was last <laughs> week. Fuck me. See, I'm just going off the top of my head from the research. But uh, how about this for news? Mark for Death is still number one at the box office. Steven Seagal reigns supreme. <laughs> wow. America has never had taste. What kind of monkey's paw did he wish on? Uh, well, there's there's a fascinating story about that, and it might have involved uh, being an executive's karate teacher and mafia ties. Well, but, there you go. <laughs> but these are low-budget films that make a ton of money. Why wouldn't people keep betting on those? I find it fascinating Diana put this here, because I don't know that we've ever had a movie I only know from Mystery Science Theater 3000 come up on 302010. No, Ooh. we've gone we've had some in the Mac past and, and a lot of them I couldn't nail down the actual date of like Warrior of the Lost World and so it never got in here but Soul Taker starring Martin Sheen's brother Joe wow. has an actual, you know, release date and it was the the 10th season premiere on it is. Mystery it's, Science Theater. It's so. the Joel and Mike reunion. Joel comes back. Frank comes back. It's a really fun episode of MST. I don't remember jack shit about this movie. <laughs> I've watched this episode so many times. What's to remember? Right. Come on. Uh, it's got Joe Esther. It's got Robert Zadar in his giant face. That's, that's all you need. <laughs> how about this? We're doing a bunch of horror theme stuff this month on Laser Time. And I have literally never heard of this until I saw it in the doc. Mm-hmm. I did not know there was a remake, a 1990 remake of Night of the Living Dead. I, I, during this period, I was watching Night of the Living Dead 68 and Return of the Living Dead. I did not know there is a Romero-sanctioned uh, Night of the Living Dead remake in color with uh, Tony Todd and Patricia Tallman. Night of the Living Dead. Every minute, the terror gets closer. Cooper, you got to help me out! Every second, the tension gets deadlier. It's all right. Don't shoot. Don't shoot. Every moment could be your last. 
George Romero's all-new Night of the Living Dead, rated R. <laughs> Even call it George Romero's all-new. Yeah, Man. so this, mm-hmm. this is one where the behind-the-scenes is oh, yes. more interesting than the movie, because the original 68, Night of the Living Dead, had a copyright problem. Mm-hmm. And they sued, everyone sued everyone else for a long time, and George Romero made zero dollars mm-hmm. off of this landmark film. I believe it's, it's so, free to watch at this to this day, anywhere you want. Pretty much. Copyright. And uh, so this is basically about locking down that copyright finally. Right. This is this is about so, George Romero and his team trying to make a little money on Night of the Living Dead or in, or perhaps even owning a version of it because it was so complicated. It's why we have right. so many of these. And um, it's also direct. It's the first uh, directorial debut of Tom Savini, legendary effect, uh, effects master. And I think he was supposed to be working on the first one. But uh, couldn't right. he had to miss it? So it's 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 lovely. Like it's and apparently the reviews are like, why we don't need a remake of one of the most classic movies of all time. But this is pretty good. It's. <laughs> I mean, it's very faithful. Mm-hmm. It it really is more of a do over than a remake in that not much changes. Mm-hmm. I guess Savini hated working on it because Romero was hanging out all the time yeah. and uh, double guessing him and. Uh, yeah, I don't know why he didn't say just just fucking direct it, George. Just you do it. Just yeah. do it. He was off counting his a uh, creep show and Tales from the Dark Side money. There's, this week's Laser Time is supposed to be about uh, horror anthologies, and George Romero mm-hmm. kind of gets no credit for kicking that off, at least in my era, uh, as well. But uh, yeah, just saw yes, him. I mean, you, you should watch the original, but mm-hmm. if you ended up watching this instead. It's fine. That's that. Like I, I talked to Kevin about. It. He's like, no, it's it's really good actually. Like if I think divorced from like how dare they remake this? If you just caught this on TV, like this is great. This is excellent. This is totally watchable. Um, yeah. With wonderful effects. Uh, and I only got to see a little bit of it, so I'm sad to say I didn't see all of it. Uh, nor did I see the next movie with Elijah Wood, Kevin Pollock, Aiden Quinn, Joan Plowright, Elizabeth Perkins, and Armin Mueller Stahl. Avalon. I came to America in 1914. And then I came to Baltimore. It was the most beautiful place you've ever seen in your life. Oh, Sam, how many times do we have to hear the story? The children know the story. I'm telling them about when I came to America. Yeah, we know about it. We all heard it before. I, what, uh, what is this? <laughs> Another Barry Levinson, This Is My Past movie? Yep. Oh, exactly. It's Barry Levinson. This is my past grown up in Baltimore. Mm. Um, I love how this ties in because we talked about Cecil B. Demented a little while ago, and that's got a big shootout at a theater in Baltimore. And as I was watching, I saw, oh, they have a big display out front like Avalon debuted here. And I was like, give me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, because it's all about Baltimore and, you know, the family of Jewish immigrants and very you know their trials or tribulations they're clawing their way up it towards the middle class mm-hmm. and oh. it's very good it's lovely it's pretty to look at all the performances are pretty good yeah it's not exactly flashy mm. is it uh, very baltimore like it's pretty baltimore see i i kind of love that like i have a little soft spot in my heart for movies and tv shows that feature a place that's not New York or LA mm-hmm. or San Francisco, just like any other big city. Let's talk about like, you know, the Cleve or Baltimore or New Orleans. Just yeah. fun to get out of there every now and then and yeah, like exactly. really yeah. 
get a feel for another city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the flavor of Lexington, Kentucky? I really want to feel that Lexington Probably flavor. Fried chicken, I'd imagine, <laughs> is the flavor, a, which I'm down for. It's an ugly My stereotype. Uh, but yeah i mean it's it's a good movie it's obviously very prestige movie it ended up losing money but i mean barry levinson's coming off a rain man which is such a huge hit that he Mm -hmm. wants to do something personal that's more like about his family he wrote it um yeah it's it's nice it's just it's nice it's a nice immigrant story about you know working super hard and having to go through all these things so that you can have a great granddaughter who's just a lazy slob of a podcaster (laughs) i mean it's really it's practically my family story with Uh, like i think mine has less violence in it or fires that i know of and uh man holy crap all right it's it's a rescuers down under led me to believe that's what you always call a sequel so i always thought this movie was a (laughs) sequel to something that i'd never seen i assumed that too that's just dawning on me i just was like oh this is a sequel to something i've never seen yeah you can't just give your debut movie and character a name like shaft goes to africa like you you gotta meet him first (laughs) Uh, Alan Rickman, Laura Sangiacomo, Tom Selleck in Quigley Down Under. <laughs> Set your sights on adventure. Set your sights okay. on romance. How's about you and me taking off all our clothes and going swimming? Set your sights. Everyone knows about you. On a hero. Matthew Quigley. Matthew Quigley. Matthew Quigley. I wanted to hire the finest long distance marksman in the world, have I? Tom Selleck. Quigley, down under, rated PG-13. <laughs> He's, like, going somewhere, Quigley. Going Quigley. Uh, not so fast, McLean. I mean Quigley. And, <laughs> and Potter. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wasn't going to watch this until I saw Alan Rickman was in it, and then I watched it last night. I was like, fuck it, we're doing this. Yeah, it seems, it, seems <laughs> it, it, it has potential to be something pulpy and, like, a, a, a I don't know, a hyper-violent Republican piece of idiocy was it fun at least it's mostly fun i mean it's a pretty straightforward western it just happens to take place in australia okay um hmm. i mean and a lot of it is just very standard western fun you know he's this guy from out west who takes this job in australia because he's like the world's greatest shot and he's got this like super rifle that he's constantly holding like his penis sure of course (laughs) duh and but when he gets there he finds out you know evil alan rickman hired him to just kill aborigines and he's like oh, fuck that oh. shit and so he's now he's on the run and the bad guys are after him and he's shooting a lot of them from very very far away so <laughs> is this I mean, what is this what turned him into the nra spokes model uh, i don't know that he was a spokesman he was a spokesmodel. yeah and, and... yeah he did end up donating this gun to the the rifle museum <laughs> they have in virginia oh, oh lord it's like oh, oh boy. Honey. gun porn yeah so i mean it's tough because like it's a pretty straightforward western and i enjoy those but it also is like about how they you know tried to genocide the aborigines and that gets real serious sometimes or it's like we've gone past just the like oh these noble people it's sad we're pushing them off their land to like dude they're pushing children off a cliff uh (laughs) i don't think just killing alan rickman is gonna fix this problem yeah I didn't even know this movie existed. I only know it exists because of Mad Magazine. I think they bet too hard on this parody <laughs> working. This being the number one movie because Tom Selleck was a uh, kind of a huge star, but I, I, not not someone you consider a move like a single movie star at this point. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think Magnum Pi is just off the air. 
Yeah, I mean, he's he's perfect for it, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's good. Lars San, San Giacomo's a lot of fun as sort of the wacky girl comic relief. Alan Rickman is to be an Alan Rickman, you know? Sure, sure. Um, he, he it's real indie- pretty to look at. I mean, Australia's a great place to set westerns. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it's kind of like all one giant west. Oh, okay. So... I- I guess Tom Selleck's going to have to wait before he starts peddling reverse mortgages uh, over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean, as a fan of Westerns, I was pleasantly surprised, but I'm, I mean, it's like I'm not going to quite recommend it, mm-hmm. but it was like, oh, that was better than I thought it'd be. Oh, well, that's and, good. Yeah, except then they have to do this thing where they kind of imply that Aborigines have magical powers. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really hate when movies do that. They <laughs> have like... You know, the native people, because they're in tune with nature, that means that ooh, yeah. pan pipes start playing oh, and then, yeah. oh, they're gone. And it's like, fuck you. They're just we trying can, to leave. Just leave them alone. They're just trying to just mind their own business. Save them because they're humans. Nobody mm-hmm. needs to have special powers. And you guys are not going to like the beginning of Creep Show 2. That's for another podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> television of this week. Uh, I think this week began my uh, my knowledge of baseball. It wasn't really a thing I was paying attention to, but uh, my dad was, I think he knew someone on the Oakland A's, so like it, this was on in our house the whole time. So the World Series, Cincinnati Reds beat the Oakland A's, and I just start paying attention to baseball. To this day, I'm like, mm. Oakland A's and Cincinnati Reds, those are two of the good teams, and I'm always told <laughs> I'm wrong. <laughs> so yes, I don't, uh, don't know anything else this, about that. Who's this the last time the Reds did anything? Mm. Maybe. I don't know. I hate baseball, so. On the 17th, you get the TV movie Opposites Attract starring John Forsyth and Barbara Eden. Yes. Who is this for? But I do love the story uh, of John Forsyth who decides to run for mayor so that he can install a hot tub because (laughs) the town supervisor, Barbara Eden, denied his request because of a water shortage. So this is just – and then, of course, they fall. Oh, I couldn't predict where it was going. I mean, those are not the roles that I would have guessed for those two actors. I, Barbara Eden was I Dream of Jeannie. I'm expecting sure. her to be like the funny one. And John Forsyth is the button down dude from Dynasty. So, all right. I yeah. guess that's well, nice. Opposites attract. It was very hard. I couldn't find like a trailer or anything because everything <laughs> was Paul Abdul. MC's <laughs> <laughs> cat cat, of course. That's the only one I need. Dancing with an animated cat. Uh, speaking of animation, Simpsons and Delilah airs this week, and that is when Homer mm-hmm. finds a way to regrow his hair with uh, Demoxanel, I believe is the name mm-hmm. of the, the drug. Mm-hmm. Uh, it features guest as Carl, even though we already have one of those in The Simpsons, Harvey Firestein. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. It is, uh, it is, it is weirdly noted as the first male-on-male animated kiss on television, <laughs> and I'm just like... Bugs, Bugs Bunny. What are we, what are we doing yes. here? It, it's, it, it's not like a kiss of passion. I think that goes to Mission Hill that had like two animated characters who were in love. Kiss. He, uh, uh, Carl kissed Homer farewell. Would I? Kid? My mother told me never to kiss a fool. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, but it, but it, it is like the queerest animated character not played for laughs ever on television. So I, I think hmm. it, it deserves a little credit there, and I think it does get some in the queer community because it's just like uh, it's pretty clear to an adult Carl is gay, but like especially when you see who plays him, but like it's not over the top, and there's no jokes made at the expense of it. So mm-hmm. yeah, unlike Waylon Smithers. So uh, yeah, good luck, good on you, Carl. Um, on a much worse episode, uh, George Steinbrenner hosts uh, SNL with musical guest The Time. Uh, um, 
I remember this being a bad episode because I didn't yeah. know who this guy was and he's not funny. Yeah, he's like, but the manager of the Yankee owner of I the Yankees? I think he was fired during this period. Okay. And I watched I the monologue and he's like, I just bought the Cincinnati Reds. Ha ha ha. And I'm like, we're none of us are from New York or remember what this means. I, I just think, <laughs> I, I think Dave had mentioned that to me. He had just been fired. That I truly been... only know George Steinbrenner from Seinfeld. Yeah. Played by right. Larry Dave. Which is disappointing because he doesn't sound anything like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm glad I didn't even look at any clips because that would ruin the fantasy for me. Yeah, no, it's that's not <laughs> worth looking into. Couldn't find any video games for 1990, but there's plenty of music released this mm-hmm. week. The period of October oh, yeah. 16th to the 21st, we got Danny by uh, Danny Minogue. Am I saying that right? Uh, Tougher than the rest Minogue. by Emily Minogue. Uh, Hack by Information Society, Hold Me Up by Goo Goo Dolls, Private Times and the Whole Nine by Al B. Sure, Recycler by ZZ Top, Ghost of a Dog by Edie Burkell, and the New Bohemians, Up and a- Up the Up from the Ashes by Don Dokken. Um, behavior, not, not just Dokken. Now he's on his own. Oh, what the Ooh. hell? How did how did going solo make his name more complicated? Uh, mm-hmm. Behavior by Pet Shop Boys and A Rhythm of the Saints by Paul Simon. Is Ooh. this Edie Burkell the her big song? Uh, no. Is this the album? Okay. I think it's the next one. Like, okay. what, what I Am? Yes. That one? Yeah, What I Am. I think that's yeah. the next one. Okay. And this is before she marries Paul Simon? I'm guessing they're not yeah. married if they're releasing an album on the same day. Honey? Nope. <laughs> no, they met, they met on SNL. Mm. Whoa. In like a year or two. So, yeah. Cool. Eve Raquel, I forgot all about her. Thanks, Be- thanks to Beavis and Butthead for showing me that video. Um, we're going to close out 1990 with I Don't Have uh, the Heart by James Ingram. It is number one this week, but stay right there, man. There's two more decades we got to cover. I don't have the heart. Like a chump, hey, like a chump, hey, like a chump, hey. I did it all for the nookie, come on, the nookie, come on. So you can take that cookie and stick it up your yeah, stick it up your yeah, stick it up your yeah. That makes me a little happier. (laughs) I thought I saw earlier, oh no, do we have to hear this song? Do we have to really grind it into people's face? This is the year 2000, coming in with Limp Biscuit, but no, Diana saved us. Because uh, what is that, Diana? Nookie and Break Stuff Medley from... From uh, Richard Cheese off of their debut album, Lounge Against the Machine. Now they're just called Richard Cheese and Lounge Against the Machine. If, if you haven't Andy. listened to the Laser Time Diana was on about the brief history of parody songs with Dan Amrick, um, that that show has a really good bookend where the thing I use to intro parody songs is bookended with the same person that we all find yep. out at the very end. And yep. uh, spoiler, it might be Richard Cheese. Uh, it I, is Richard Cheese. I really love but that yeah, moment. Yeah, R- Richard Cheese is really uh, Mark Jonathan Davis, who mm-hmm. is a musician and, and comedy writer and stuff, who has put out a whole bunch of albums of lounge versions of songs that should not be lounge versions. Yeah. And Lounge Against the Machine is so much fun. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of songs that I like know all the lyrics to, and it's it's not because I'm a big fan of Nookie and Break Stuff. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I, I don't... because. I've listened to Lounge of the Machine, Lounge of the Machine version so many times. I have no idea what Slipknot's People Equal Shit actually sounds like. It's a, just a yeah. funny Richard Cheese song. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but no, keep them separated. I know that one. Yeah, 
<laughs> this is the week, baby, uh, for, well, Limp Biscuit. But we have new releases this week, October 16th to 22nd, 2000. We got Renaissance by Lionel Richie, uh, which ironically I didn't know existed, so I, I guess it wasn't much of a renaissance. Ren- Lionel Richie is someone like, uh, I have to be reminded was famous because he was sort of gone by the time I was aware of music. But he was mm, huge. Yeah. He was huge, like right before I was oh God, born yes. and paying attention. Yeah. Um, American Three, Solitary Man by Johnny Cash. Ludacris, uh, Ludacris' debut, Back for the First Time. Uh, Bedlam <laughs> Ballroom by the Squirrel Nut Zippers. Uh, Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water by Biscuit. There they Bye. are. Bye. Uh, yeah. Uh, Eat It Whitey's by Everlast. Yuck, again. Uh, In the Valley of the Dying Stores by Super Drag. Um, was this Iomi? Am I saying that right? <laughs> the yeah. solo debut of uh, Black Sabbath. Dodi Iomi. There, I should have read her head. Uh, Southern Rain by Billy Ray Cyrus and Saints and Sinners by All Saints. Coming Over Baby, All I Want Is You by Christina Aguilera is number one as we spotlighted last week. Whew! That's a lot of music. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. There is, for like the next month, every week is going to have just a fucking ton of music, and a lot of it's going to be Christmas albums. Yeah. If anybody can write in the comments or the Facebook or something who works in the music industry, why was that? I feel like summertime is when they, summertime and holiday time, where they dump a ton of music uh, on yep. all of us. Anyway, uh, a little bit of news to bring you into, to give you the full flavor of the year 2000. Demi Moore and Bruce Willis are divorcing after 13 years of marriage. Oh, Aww. I thought they were built to last. Were they in any, any yeah. movies together other than Beavis and Butthead Do America? Uh, I, so, right? um, I feel like there is one and I can't think of it, yeah, but like it can- sounds like they're one of those couples that has like an awesome divorce. Yeah. Yes, because like, they were they quarantining. All started, <laughs> they're they're yeah, quarantined like together, together mm-hmm. with like their other spouses yep. and their kids and the kids' spouses. Like, I, I love good divorce stories mm-hmm. where they're just like, hey, it didn't work out. It's yeah, all right. Uh, if it's, you did, it's best if, for everyone that we still try to get along. If you didn't see the Comedy Central Bruce Willis roast, she was the closer oh, and she yeah. came out and it was just like, the jokes weren't like, your dick's so small and you're gay. It's like, uh, you know, you have to repeat things to him 10 or 12 times before he remembers what to do. It's, it, it was clearly like everyday stuff they still do with it, well, one another as a couple yeah. who's no longer married. Yeah. Thought, it was really cute. That was, that was really cute. I like yeah. that a lot. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, now I'm not as afraid of getting divorced and therefore getting married. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Meet the Parents uh, is still number one at the box office, um, but we have some new movies to talk about. And yeah. It's probably going to get weird. Um, not with this one, because we've never—I've oh, never heard of it. This is an array. This <laughs> movie is wild. This one, the yes. the Broken Hearts Just Club, a romantic comedy. Yes. So this is—I watched this again because I've seen it a couple times actually, um, and it's fucking delightful. But it has so many people in it. It's kind yes. of wild. Uh, what are we looking at? Ben Weber, Timothy Elephant, Matt McGrath, uh, Zach Braff, Dean Cain, Andrew Keegan, Billy Porter. Yes. Also, John Mahoney. Okay. Jennifer Coolidge, Nia Long, Justin Theroux. Like Whoa. all these new babies, actors that we didn't really know. I mean, we all knew John Mahoney from Frasier. Um, but other than that, you know, I think Zach Braff was Scrubs going at this point. I guess it was. You're the person yeah. to ask. <laughs> or it was about to. Yeah. And of course, Dean Kane from uh, Superman, Lois and Superman, or mm-hmm. whatever. Lois and Clark. Clark. Yeah. Lois and Clark. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, this is a such a fun, sweet movie, and it's a it's kind of the first that of its kind that we saw during 
the era of the 2000s, which is just a group of friends that are all homosexual men and they all live in West Hollywood. And it really just focuses about their their life and their loves and their relationships with each other. And um, it's a big part of the canon. I remember at many of my hangouts with my friends um, who are in the community in undergrad, this movie would eventually come on mm. <laughs> yeah. by the well, end I, of the night. I, I think it's amazing that we were just talking about the Simpsons and having a gay character that's not the butt of a joke. Mm-hmm. And here is a movie about gay men. It's not about trauma. It's not mm-hmm. about AIDS. It's mm-hmm. not about dying. It's just a rom-com mm-hmm. with dudes. Mm. Yep. That's it. N- no special attention needed. Mm-hmm. They're just dudes. And it's just, it. and it's, it's just them living their lives and, you know, being friends and being lovers and being exes. And I think probably one of the more realistic portrayals of gay men that we are seeing at this point. And, you know, a lot of people compare it to the boys in the band because that was just now having its revival. And and actually there's, I think a movie out now, but um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, these don't come along very often where Mm -hmm. we can look at like the LBGT LBGTQ community Mm. divorced of trauma. And it's yeah. it's fun, and I, I definitely recommend it um, if that's something you think you would be into because it's yeah. it's lovely and delightful, and everybody's like so handsome. <laughs> they are pretty cute. Yeah, very cute. I wonder what Dean Cain thinks of his role now. I was going to say, I hope he's the villain because uh... he's not. <laughs> no? It's so weird. I just I'm just very interesting the turn he yeah. took. <laughs> And then it's the film debut uh, uh, writer-director Greg Berlanti that mm-hmm. we just talked about with Life As We Know It. Mm-hmm. Terrible title and fine idea for a movie that we didn't like. Mm-hmm. But also has done what The Flash and Supergirl and Dawson's Creek and uh, Love, mm-hmm. Simon and all kinds of just tons and tons of other stuff. He's like Mr. TV guy. Yeah, man. Um, and oh boy, uh, I really meant to rewatch right. this. And, and here's where we get... <laughs> Okay, so we have two movies with very similar titles. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I really, really want to hear if anyone went to the wrong one. (laughs) Because if you were looking to go see Adorable Rom Com Bedazzled and you walked into Bamboozled. Oh, goodness. I need to fucking hear that story. Mm -hmm. I I do have a story of right after we stopped recording the previous episode, I looked up next week's episode and I was like, oh, good Lord. And I just Google bamboozled and I clicked on the poster and just said, never mind. I am not dealing with this right now. (laughs) And then uh, I walk, my girlfriend and I were walking into my office and that that was still up on the screen. She's like, what? That, that like, what are you doing? I'm like, no, it's for the work. Uh, but do yourself a favor and don't Google the bamboozled poster. Either one. They're not, neither of them are anything you'd want to hang in your home. Uh, rather intentionally, I don't know, this, this movie, uh, it's difficult for uh, me as a white dude to wrap my head around. I just remember it being um, ugly. Yes. Uh, it's, it's, it's like one of the first movies like really shot on digital video. By digital video, like, kind of like a Logitech camera that came with your PC in like the the late 2000s. It it just, Mm. it looks bad and the sound is bad. And Damon Wayne's impression is baffling to bring up another confusing B word. But uh, (laughs) here's a little bit from the trailer. Maybe they'll explain Michael Rappaport, Tommy Davids, Jada Pickensmith, Savion Glover, and Damon Wayne's in Bamboozled. The network does not want to see Negroes on television unless they are buffoons. 
Have you ever thought about just quitting? I have a contract. The only way I get out of that is if I get fired. And that is what I intend to do. I know you are familiar with menstrual shows. Variety shows. Like in Living Color. Right, right, right. That was dope. Man, Tan. The new millennium menstrual show. We're going to need a little more money for this. This could be bigger than Friends, Ally McBeal, even my boys Amos and Andy. Yeah. You're putting white actors in black face. We're using black actors with blacker faces. That's why I learned they did it with a burnt cork. They teach you to do, mm-hmm. to do blackface in the movie. Uh, this movie Yeah, is... so, uh, I mean, if you haven't figured it out by now and didn't know, written and directed by Spike Lee, mm-hmm. he is making a point. Mm-hmm. The problem is he's making a lot of points all at the mm. same time. Yeah, I think like, it's, it's like the first draft the... of a really good point. Um, yeah, well, it's like he is obviously super inspired by Network. Mm-hmm. This This movie references network a whole bunch the you know which is this like brutal takedown of of you know televised entertainment and this you know this is about the idea that's like networks are so desperate for something like new and edgy that they would put on the single most offensive thing possible which is mm. a minstrel sh- a literal minstrel show and also there's the idea of it's like it's a new century it's a new millennium but we just go in circles we're just going to do the entertainment of a hundred years ago we've accomplished nothing yeah like that's in there and there's also like making fun of gangster rap is in there as like like this is a kind of minstrelsy it's like a parody of an actual black experience and there is a lot going on and i i i wish it was so much better Mm. because the digital video is really ugly and Mm. as you could hear there damon wayans is extremely white accent I don't is know so odd. It is very I kind of, like, there is a point where he goes to see his father, and I was expecting him to drop it. And that would have been interesting, but it's not. It's like he's a fucking robot. Huh. It's not just he's white, he's, like, white acting. It's like he's a robot. Uh, yeah. And that made it harder to and get into. Like the producers, and, where they, they try and make an intentional failure, but it's a huge hit in, uh, People like it yeah. for good reasons and then bad reasons and then people hate it for good and bad. It's 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 typical spikely complicated and it just I felt really I, I remember watching this with friends and we just like it was like we couldn't even talk about it afterwards. Just like I, I don't know, what was what what was the point of that? And I wanna yeah. I, I wanna reappraise it because like it it is a condemnation of the media that that seems like uh I don't know, that it, it could kind of work in any decade you're in. Depending yeah, if uh, just, I I feel like He's really close to fucking nailing it, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. just sort of unfocused. Like it's got too many targets at once. And if it just went with media satire plus race, then you got it. But then the, there's also this over here, the idea that like, oh, people don't trust Jada Pinkett Smith because maybe she fucked her way into her job. And it's like, wait, what? Or I mean, but the idea that, and there's also like the exploitation of black actors. Like mm-hmm. they, they start with literally homeless people. We can make them embarrass themselves because they're homeless. And then it turns out it's like, no, it's not even just that they're homeless. It's like there's not enough roles for black actors. So black actors will take even the most disgraceful part. Mm-hmm. Dancing around in blackface, you know, with picking any hair in this. Oh, God. I, I am seeing oh, it. It, it, it was it added. Get really hard to watch. It was added to the Criterion Collection this year. So mm-hmm. you know, I might pick it up like that. It looks like it's got a brand new uh, 2K restoration and some new special features. I mean, there's there's a lot a lot going on there, and yep. there's 
it's it's interesting. He's definitely taken on shit that no one else takes on. Like that this was this was entertainment for a long time in this country. Yeah, it's uh, difficult to think about. And uh, yeah, yeah, but, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad someone tried. Yeah, I think I, like my only criticism I remember, and then watching clips of it is just like it seems to be presenting itself as a, a comedy that is just ra- rarely funny, and it has a mm. bunch of funny people in it. And I, I just don't, I wish it were funnier, I suppose. I knew it was going to yeah. be a little... I mean, there's no way... It's going to be the, pardon the term, blackest comedy ever. Yeah. Though, for yeah. The, the darkness of the, the satire. But sometimes I feel like it doesn't know what it's satirizing. It's just satirizing everything. Yeah. Or, it's a little out like, there. Yeah. But it's it's definitely interesting. Yeah. Uh, close your curtains before you watch it. Yes. I'm very <laughs> glad I watched your neighbors it. neighbors to actually peek in. While you're watching blackface tap dancing. Very glad I watched it, but it was like it was difficult just to describe why the poster was on my computer to my girlfriend, let alone when I tried to get into the plot. Is that something you'd want to watch together? No, <laughs> of course not. Uh, weird. Then weirdly, this is going to sound superbly white of me. Uh, Bedazzled, I think, is a very underrated comedy. What really? <laughs> yeah, I liked it back in the. I don't know. I like Brendan Fraser. Um, in in Fraser in in high comedies like this, and and Liz Hurley is like. A hot ass devil. It's like I don't know. I thought it was pretty charming. And yeah. <laughs> bedazzled. Uh, Brendan Fraser, Elizabeth Hurley, and Francis O'Connor. Here's a little bit of the film. Whatever you want, it's yours. You may have made a deal <laughs> with the devil. Cheers, darling. I want to be smart and good looking. You got it. He's so handsome. Would you like to taste the stars? <gasps> but now I have to give you my soul. Exactly. Whole deal is off. Nuh-uh. He's breaking the rules. Throw him in a lockup. Psychiatric evaluation. It's her. It's her. She's a devil. What you aim for, brother? Eternity. Ooh. Brendan Fraser, Elizabeth Hurley. You are so bad. Why? Thank you. But dazzled. Rated PG-13. Is this a remake of a? Dudley Moore movie, Diana? Yeah. 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 It's a remake of the 1967 film with Peter Cook and Dudley Moore, mm-hmm. which, uh, yes, is superior, though. I mean, mm. as much as I do have nice things to say about this remake directed by Harold Ramis, mm-hmm. um, no, the 67 one is, is way better. But this does have some funny fucking bits in it, man. Mm. I had even to tap it, out. <laughs> even though overall I don't think it's that great, there are some solid laughs. Yeah. It's, I don't know how I feel anymore. Yeah, it, it, it grew on me because I thought it was a pretty formulaic studio comedy back in the day. I think it, like with the, all the deleted scenes on there, there's some stuff that got cut out for an R rating. And I think maybe if you gel those together in your brain like I have, oh, yeah, mm. there's some drug use and sex scenes that didn't make it into the final cut. But you can still watch if you got that yeah. Warner Brothers snap case. But, yeah, I mean, it's still fun, the idea that, yeah, Brendan Fraser sells his soul to the devil to try to get with this girl. Mm. And he, every time he you know, makes a wish. He gets what he wants. Like, I want to be uh, rich and powerful. And so, but, you know, Monkey's Paw, oh, he's a drug lord and the DEA is about to come (laughs) raid the place. Like, okay, that's fun. Or like, I want to be sweet and sensitive. And he's like, so sweet and sensitive Mm. and wants to sing songs about dolphins that she's just disgusted by him and leaves. It's like, (laughs) yeah, those those are fun. I'm all for Monkey's Paw type things. Yeah, I like the original better because it's meaner. It's very British and and it's got Raquel Welch in it as Lust and Jesus Christ, she's amazing. Mm. She's so fucking hot. I'm doubting my heterosexuality every time I see her. Yeah, I had to tap out on this one after the sweet and sensitive guy, which was <laughs> about halfway through, maybe a little bit less. It's just so noisy. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think maybe I was in the right place for it, but it was just like, it was a lot of like colors and sounds coming at me and I just wasn't there for it, honestly. But 
I was I was watching it and Sam was in the room and we were trying to actively like think Elizabeth Hurley was she a model or was she always an actress or was she just a famous hot person that dabbled like famous British hot person yeah <laughs> okay was, like and, yeah, I mean, she was a model first mm-hmm. okay and she was with Hugh Grant duh we right. all know this and yeah but I was just because I don't know of another movie that she was in so I was trying to figure out what her place was Austin in, in... Powers baby I mean she's oh, okay. pretty yeah. big the, the, the movie this movie opened at number one in in the UK because she's pretty popular yeah so, no I know she's I mean she's freaking gorgeous mm-hmm. and i do think she's does a very good job at playing a very fun devil she's obviously having mm-hmm. a lot of fun in the role for sure which yeah. is you know i i like that but um also anyone who watches real housewives of beverly hills can just tell that lisa vanderpump has basically built her whole personality on this role <laughs> <laughs> so just everything is built on this. I really want people to have wanted to go see Bamboozled and walked into the bedazzled. That would be so- oh, and vice versa, honestly. <laughs> vice versa is the traumatizing one. But even this one, is you're just sitting there waiting like, oh, God, it's going to get offensive. No, <laughs> no, Brennan Fraser's not going to put on blackface, honey. It's not going to get offensive. It's oh. just going to be kind of harmless, cute little comedy. Oh, goodness. Uh, I... I... <laughs> I remember reading a review that called this next movie offensive. Uh, Angie Dickinson, John Bon Jovi, Jim Caviezel, Jay Moore, Haley Joel Osment, Helen Hunt, and Kevin Frasier, and pay it forward. I can help you. You're giving me a brand new Jaguar, and you don't want anything? Just pay it forward. Three big favors for three other people. You can't just put two people together and make them like each other. This is the one. Pay it forward. Pay it forward. It's like this idea. Kevin Spacey. Don't tell me how sorry you are for me. Helen Hunt. You All right. Lo- I just... This is, this is so fucking yeah. sugary. I, and I remember the reviewer particularly, like, it, it's pretty insulting. The movie treats the audience like we've never heard of doing anything nice to somebody. Yes. Like, it's, mm. like no one's so, ever heard of that. It's <laughs> so, oof. It's just, and I actually remember the book more than I remember the movie because I read the book, I think, when I was, like, in middle school or whatever. And just being, even at that age, when I still really wasn't ready to pan things, like I just didn't know myself well enough to say this is bad. Even then, I was like, this is bad. It's, it's, <laughs> this it's is Haley, very it's, bad. It's Haley Joel Osment who comes up with the idea, instead of paying people back, what if you paid them forward and everyone paid everyone forward? And then everyone would be doing nice things for everyone all the time. And it goes, it actually works. Right. It's, it becomes like a viral thing. And oh, but his his kind of trashy mom, Helen Hunt, is like sort of overwhelmed because her life's kind of messy. And and then he's got a teacher played by Kevin Spacey. He's got a burnt face. And this is a subplot now, I guess. And, hopefully more interested in Helen Hunt. Um, yeah. <laughs> Dear sorry. God. Sorry. That was mean. Uh, I just, I just always imagine he's Christopher Plummer now. That's just... <laughs> Uh, I, I, I want like an Instagram filter to just do that for me. That would be great. I had a group of like three friends and we thought the movie was really stupid. So whenever a homeless person would ask us for change or someone would ask us for a lighter, we just very sincerely like, just pay it forward. Just be, <laughs> here you go, man. Pay it forward. <laughs> and, like, and then we would laugh our asses off. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, it popularized that that term. Or I guess maybe the... I don't think like, the movie was out. We just thought it was hysterical. <sighs> Literally yeah. the only like modern context I know for this is like when people are in line at Starbucks and they pay for the person behind them. Um, Which is yeah. really actually pretty fun to do. <laughs> like, I, I, although yeah. time I went through a drive-thru at McDonald's and I was feeling really great about myself. I was like, you know what? 
I'm going to do it. I'm going to pay for the people behind me. And so I like pulled up and I was like, yeah, I, I'll pay for the people behind me. And they were like, okay, yeah, their order was $27.40. I was like in for a penny, in for a pound at that point, but I was a little shocked. <laughs> I had just, I had just moved uh, a few years ago and like getting rid of your trash in San Francisco is a giant fiasco. It can cost you a shitload of money. Sometimes the mm. government just won't help. And here, it, like waste pro here was like totally easy i was eating in a little cafe and i just saw the uh the, the trash guys come in and i just when i went to the register i bought their food and like uh yeah don't tell them and <laughs> then it just left and i have no idea what happened but it was still one of the most fun things i've ever done look the movie's correct why are we shitting yeah, I all mean, over it, it does give you a little boost when you do that and then that boost is totally taken away when you talk about it on a podcast. i know I, I felt like, like in the middle of it like i don't know that i've even told that story here uh, but yeah, yeah. Look, you can do that. How about just do a nice thing for someone, and it's its own reward, and you don't have to waste money to watch a movie about it. That's stupid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I suppose I've been I've been donating a bunch of money these days, but I don't really ever leave the house, so I can't see anyone's face. The eyes light up when I do something nice for them yeah. nowadays. Well, I think it was was it Myamides who said that like the greatest form of giving is when the donee doesn't know who gave it to them, and the donor doesn't know who it's going to. Really? So it's like Ooh. totally anonymous. And I find that to be really interesting. It, it does and, seem like and a, actually extremely rewarding when you think about it. That seems like a story mm -hmm. both sides could tell forever would be mm -hmm. completely boring. If you gave someone, if you, you gave someone, you know, something, there's no story there. Hey, you got me a gift. Also, being thanked is very awkward. Yeah. 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 Like You're um, welcome. Uh, I'm going to go now. <laughs> the only, the only like avenue I have for doing nice things is like pretty much the one trip I take out of my house every week now is to go to the supermarket. Mm. And so, cause I have to do one big trip. I have like a full cart of stuff. And then I see someone who's just got a basket, I always let them go in front of me. Oh, that's nice. Why not? And people are always like, oh, my God, thank you so much. And it's like, yeah. I, that wasn't even doing anything. And Diane is also not talking about how she she nice. makes masks for people. And that's true. <laughs> and she's working at the uh, at the polls and some other uh, various charitable work that Diana does. You're selling yourself short. Dude. Well, anyway, I feel um, like we're just delaying. I mean, oh, to talk I about so one of the best movies of 2000. Yeah, uh, sure. 100%. Yes, and and uh, because I feel like there's not a lot to say about it except it's fucking great, and you should go watch or rewatch it. Well, it's, it's also leaving uh, breakthrough in a way. It's 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 a breakthrough in a way, and it's also like it introduced the world, this movie in particular, to a lot of funny people that they may not have seen before. Mm -hmm. Jane Lynch, Jennifer Coolidge, Parker Posey, uh, Michael Hitchcock, Michael McKeon, John Michael Higgins, lots of Michaels, uh, Catherine O'Hara, <laughs> Eugene Levy, and Christopher Guest in Best in Show. Cookie and I work as a team. We met at this dance. He didn't want to dance. I got two left feet. <laughs> I thought he was kidding. But I wasn't. I was born with two left feet. <laughs> Beatrice has been showing signs of depression. Ever since she saw us having sex, what would you like to say to Beatrice right now? I'm sorry, you've had to see that. Beatrix is a dog. The history of Aww. this this little ensemble and best in show, but like I think they were a part of like a comedy troupe on the radio at some point, and then everybody knows about Spinal yeah. Tap, but that's like yeah. a, a Rob Reiner movie, and then Christopher Guest makes Waiting for Guffman, which is like an like a small independent movie that not a lot of people saw at the time, and mm -hmm. this was like no shit Warner Brothers wide theatrical release, and everyone in this movie 
I saw in everything else for like the rest of my life. Oh my god! I so going back and rewatching this movie, which I did this weekend with my mom and Sam, was such a joy because mm-hmm. we are also like hip deep in Shit's Creek right now. Yeah. So to see Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara like as a married couple, another couple in this movie, like is so wonderful and so sweet. I just love it so much. This movie brought so much joy to me like first when I, when I first saw it and then again this weekend like it's the perfect shot of happiness during these dark dark times that we're in literally every scene was like a laugh there was a laugh out loud moment oh yeah and it sneaks up on you they'll sneak like these moments will just these shots the like dialogue which is like you know improvised largely. all improvised mm-hmm. or mostly improvised like it all just kind of sneaks up on you it's just good i love it so much i know it just it just <laughs> really like christopher guest got to like what was his pitch uh, i'm just gonna make a movie with my friends you got a script no nah. Just, just throw me some yeah. cameras and a budget. Have you yeah. seen Spinal Tap? I guess he had Spinal Tap to, to rely on. But. Yeah, and Waiting for Guffman, which is excellent. You know, was a pretty pretty small movie, mm-hmm. but was uh, critics all went fucking insane for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, was, it was awesome. <clears throat> and that was back in 1996. And then in the meantime, he made Almost Heroes, which is not the style of movie and didn't, did uh, no, no box office whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And so comes back to like, I could just do that again. Like, mm-hmm. we've got an outline. We've got ridiculously talented people we come up with character treatments a general idea of where the story is going you know overall ideas and and then let's just just go mm-hmm. yeah and- I, 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 you can see why pe- that oh these people love doing this because it doesn't feel so much like you're watching a performance as you are like actors playing with one another like it really feels yeah. it doesn't feel like yeah. they're working like they're having fun yeah it feels it, like they're playing people who are truly embodying just so good at like doing that thing where they're embodying a character that we know, like we know this person, Mm -hmm. but it's just heightened like half a step so that it's just a little bit funnier. Like, you know, I've met the Catherine O'Hara character, Mm -hmm. especially from living (laughs) in Florida. I've met that lady before and her long suffering husband. And it's so perfect. They just nail it so (laughs) well. It's such a joy to watch. Almost almost every male on my dad's side looks like Eugene Levy. So, That character before. So wait, do you know people that women wherever they go, they run into someone who's like, Wait, didn't I have sex with you? What <laughs> I mean, when you grew up in a small town in the panhandle, girl, <laughs> it comes up. Right. You meet people. And just like, <laughs> Not me, true. but I, I'm just saying, like, uh, we all know a couple people who are Yeah. Yeah, I've, everybody knows I've, them. I've, Definitely met people like Parker Posey and Michael Hitchcock, the super uptight yuppies. <laughs> yeah. We're super you into J crew. <laughs> Like really funny story about I was going to this Starbucks and then he would go to the Starbucks across the street and then we met up and they're just like so fucking intense that they're poor they're they're their poor dog is having all these problems and they think it's like the dog from so, no you're terrible people that's why mm-hmm. nothing brings me more joy though than Fred Willard in this yes, it's playing like... Buck Laughlin <laughs> yeah. the color commentator on the yeah. dog show and I am telling you that when I first started there's doing the show with you guys mm-hmm. i was like well that's just gonna be the role i play because i don't know shit about dick but i'm just gonna like <laughs> make up stuff and say weird things yeah, they- <laughs> so sometimes i still feel like that <laughs> putting the bloodhound in a little sherlock holmes hat like would that be fun it's like very like uptight I, again, partners, it, like yeah <laughs> I, I can't deliver it like him it's why fred willard is so brilliant when he the gay guy comes out in that elaborate dress you know if you're gonna dress that way in my neighborhood you better be a hotel doorman <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> oh my god 
Sean Michael Higgins and Michael McKean's relationship is, first of all, goals. <laughs> and second of all, like, portrayed so lovingly. Like, those two characters are certainly caricatures, but not, I don't think that they're being mocked or, like, made fun of. I think they're portrayed in a very loving way. I think all the characters are being portrayed in a very loving way, which is part of the reason that this movie works so well. Fred Willard's been around for a long time. I've never seen anything like Fernwood tonight, but, like, he's in Spinal Tap in a very mm-hmm. tiny role. Yeah. But this, like, I knew his name after this and. Mm-hmm. Did ever since this film, and I can't say that for the entire cast, but I, I always look forward to seeing them. Yes, I mean, I, I have nothing bad to say about this. The only controversial thing I have to add to this is this or a mighty wind. Oh, this. Ooh, I don't know. The... And I thought the choice would come down to this or waiting for Guffman. Because mm. waiting for Guffman, that scene of Parker Posey grilling that one chicken wing on the grill is like <laughs> yes. indelible in my mind. Like I think about it. Once a week. Uh, Parker Posey, I actually would like to comment. I never saw her in anything else ever again. Like, she was an indie darling and a Manic Pixie Dream Girl and a bunch of indies. And then, like, I only saw her in Christopher Guest movies. She seemed to avoid mainstream, most mainstream comedies and just do this. She popped up here and there in TV. She has a really great run on Parks and Rec. Mm -hmm. Mm, Yep. Um, As Leslie Nopes, like, Arch nemesis. It's pretty great. I just assumed it was intentional because I, I was introduced to her like a girl I was smitten with who, who loved her, but she was only in like, you know, mumblecore and in indie movies at that point. I'm mm. sure she does a lot of stage stuff, mm-hmm. I would assume. No, yep. That yeah, feels she right. people that she'll she'll pop up and you'll be like, oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. she just elevates whatever she does and then she's gone. And you're like, oh. Right. Man. She was, oh. Don't talk I about think her. That was her. I think she was really good in um, Louis. The, <laughs> oh. the TV show High Fidelity that just came out with Zoe Kravitz. Oh. She had an episode, I'm pretty sure that was her. She had an episode where she uh, is selling her husband's record collection and she's really fantastic. I hope, I hope I'm right and I hope that's her. But this movie is a fucking joy. Yeah, dude, <laughs> I love it, it. I recommend it so much to lift your spirits during these dark, dark times. And if you go to the Wikipedia article about this show, um, it lists the cast and then it lists the dog cast who <laughs> are all like qualifying oh like kennel club dogs that are like famous dogs, basically. Oh my God. I'm looking. Yeah. At the names. Yeah. Arrowcat, Echo Bar, Take Me Dancing was played Beatrice the Weimariner. And uh, I, who could forget the performance of Tyrone the Shih Tzu? <laughs> <laughs> uh, played by Cymeron's Red Hot Kisses. So I guess they named dogs. The dog names are even more complicated than horse names. Mm. Like we learned last year, last week. Yeah, so I, I watch this movie all the time and I haven't watched it in about 10 years at this point. So, god damn it, I meant to give it a watch. Oh, uh, definitely during this. It. Well, there's a lot of a lot of horror stuff going on. Ladiesdiepodcast.com, whenever that site comes back. It's October. Um, television of 2000, October 16th through the 21st. 22nd? What do we decide on? 21st. I'll take 22nd. that. 22nd. 20 seconds. <laughs> Man, on October 17th, the Freaks and Geeks finale airs. I couldn't nail down where this airs. Because mm. uh-huh. it seems to have the same air date as three of the other episodes. I'm like, was this when they they would air them at like the museum of blah, 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 Cause NBC oh. canceled this thing. Oh. And I, and, and I think Fox family started to play the rest of it. Mm-hmm. So I just, I mm-hmm. don't know if they aired the last episode, but cut out all the episodes in between because this was a, a pretty big failure for NBC ratings wise, but just like, you know, it's, it sucks that like streaming video didn't exist. Cause 
it's the beginning of where it would have succeeded. Somebody would have saved Freaks and Geeks. But I guess mm-hmm. we should be glad they didn't because, like, all of those people went on to, like, perfectly healthy careers and lives for the most part. They all seem well-adjusted for children, child actors. <laughs> uh, and this episode is great. Uh, what's Is it? Is it Discos and Dungeons? Is that what it's called? Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. So sweet. It, it, really good. The the geeks take invite James Franco over to play Dungeons and Dragons. And every time you're watching Freaks and Geeks and you're, like, predicting – you know, like, oh, he's going to be fucking ruthless. Oh, he's going to be really mean to him. Like, no, he just likes it. He's having a great time. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, everything just sort of like works out in innocuous ways. And I really like the finale for Lindsay, who pretends she's going off to do something school related for two weeks on a bus, uh, gets on the bus, sneaks off and gets in a van to go see the dead tour for the summer, yeah. unbeknownst to her parents and family and friends. And uh, yeah, have you ever seen the DVD? Like, um, that's like the cast and crew sign off when Lindsay's bus stop. All the cast and crew is on the Aww. side of the bus Aww. waving goodbye. Um, it's on the DVD. It's it's one of the best DVDs that's ever been made for any show because it was Honestly, very expensive. This week that we're talking about has kind of like between Freaks and Geeks and Best in Show. Mm-hmm. That's like we're kind of seeing the birth of like how comedy has been for the past 20 years of this idea. I mean, these this idea of improv comedy being a thing or you're just like riffing on lines or whatever. I mean, that's like a huge part of Adam McKay Mm -hmm. and um, Judd Apatow's like whole thing. And to have the cast of Freaks and Geeks like during this week, you know, that finale and the best in show, which kind of like bore that out. It's kind mm-hmm. of amazing, actually. Yeah. It really seemed like the birth of like a new like comedy genre. If you were either of a freak or a geek, please, we once again implore you to check out this show somehow. Um, it can be difficult to watch and mm-hmm. stream. It's got a lot, had a lot of music rights, and I, the DVDs are still pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's worth it. Very much worth it. Um, the USA TV, speaking of comedy, <laughs> okay. I did not know this was a USA original movie. I just saw it appear in a blockbuster. Yep. Shirley Jones, Coolio, Tom Arnold, uh, Tiffany Amber Thiessen in Othello. No, wait. Uh, it is a sh- <laughs> shriek if you know what I did last Friday the 13th. Oh, so wow. clever. Uh, it's gross. It's basically scary movie the same year, which is kind of weird. It, apparently, the uh, working title of scary movie was Scream If You Know What I Did Last Halloween. Mm. So this is mm. very, very lazy. But I did <laughs> get some joy from reading the character names because Julie Benz plays a character named Barbara Prime, Sup- Prime Suspect. <laughs> and uh, Amber Amy Graham plays Screw. From behind. I love it. (sighs) (laughs) And beloved TV mom and Oscar winner Shirley Jones is there. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, Danny Strong's in there too. Come on, Danny Strong. I expect better from you. And rounding out the comedy of, uh, look at comedy. I don't know. There's something forecasty in this episode of SNL. It's hosted by Dana Carvey and the Wallflowers. But uh, the kind of thing that, hadn't happened a lot mostly because everybody's presidential impressions were pretty pretty stupid and bad up until this point <laughs> but Dana Carvey's George H.W. Bush was rather beloved and acknowledged by in what I believe the first acknowledged by the president himself oh and yeah it, Dana Carvey's first hosting stint has an appearance via tape from the president um <laughs> No one else can say that. Um, but his first time hosting, sorry. Uh, but he's hosting here. And George W. Bush has been elected. No. 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 We got no, a month, no. month to go. 
Okay, well, it looks and technically like we have two months to go. But... Technically, we have never because was he uh, ever right? elected? Well, the second mm-hmm. time, but but uh, but in this sketch, it, it, I hadn't seen anything like this before. Dana Carvey's old president character goes hunting with Will Ferrell's George W. Bush, and every time he turns his head, uh, considers putting a bullet in his brain. (laughs) (laughs) You'll be the commander-in-chief of the most potent military in the world, and that's a heavy burden for any man to bear. Wow. Well, we should be getting after that deer. (laughs) I know you're not quite right in the head, son. Maybe it's this dyslexia they keep talking about, but back when you were born, Babs and I called it retardation. <laughs> Ish. I just, oh. The word, yes, cringe a little bit, but it's also like, that guy would eventually be president. <laughs> just, yeah, I was president for eight fucking years. I know, I know. Um, Ooh. Good Lord. Okay, but moving on to books. Um, yeah. For the first time on the New York Times bestseller list for nonfiction, I couldn't really grab exactly when the publication date is, but On Writing by Stephen King. This was his nonfiction book that he wrote um, sh- at, while he was afterwards and while he was recovering from being hit by a van. <laughs> and it is widely known as just a fantastic book uh, resource for people who want to write, who want to write novels or really anything. And people I listen to or know who are writers routinely talk about how great this book is and how they go back to it over and over again to kind of keep themselves like in the habit of writing and and remind themselves of like the principles and, and why they do what they do. Hmm. And it's just, I, I think... It's, I have not read it because I am not a writer myself, but I'm still really interested in it just because I feel like it would be very I, – I love I do love writers. So I think it would be very uh, edifying to read one of our the best writers of our time talk about his, his craft and his process. So yeah, I've read excerpts. Um, I've never read the whole thing. But, yeah, they handed it to us in, well, getting a degree in creative writing. They, we, yeah. Wow. It's huge. And, I mean, is this Stephen King's only, like, nonfiction self? I mean, it's almost an autobiography in a way. You know, like, he mm. does talk about a lot of his own life and especially his it's, it's so recovering to say from this van accident. He has so much published so many places that, mm-hmm. like, I don't – I'm sure it's not his only book about mm-hmm. himself. I mean – and th- Dance Macabre is up, off the top of my head, which I believe is just essays. Mm-hmm. But I know a lot of them are also sort of about writing or just breaking down genre stuff. One, I, one of my favorite points I've ever read is like, uh, Dracula should have been a short story and it should just be about Jonathan Harker going to Castle Dracula. Yeah. That by itself is just a really good like one act play. And it's you almost don't need the rest of it. The only part like, of the movie that's hey. good. Yeah, that's everyone's favorite part. Mm-hmm. It's the best part. With that, uh, wow, this is uh, switching gears entirely. Uh, Donald Duck's Going Quackers is out on GameCube. <laughs> <laughs> PS2. Uh, if you love... This segment has had everything. <laughs> it has everything. Uh, it also, it even has... Christopher Lloyd's character from DuckTales the movie. Yes, <gasps> Murloc is in another thing, and I just found that out today. Uh, <laughs> he's the boss, and Donald Duck going quackers, the main bad. Oh, uh, sorry for my Stefan impression there for a second. Uh, we better get rolling, and who better to help us do that? Hey, we came in with a Limp Biscuit song. <laughs> We're going out with a Limp Biscuit, but please stick around. I know the song's terrible, but we have a lot to talk about in 2010. <laughs> What you gonna do now? Bring it now, bring it now. Hands up, now hands down. Back up, back up. Tell me what you gonna do now. Bring it now, bring it now. Hands up, now hands down. Back up, back up. Tell me what you gonna do now. Bring it now, b
this is Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of October 16th through 22nd, two very different movies to recommend. Uh, let's start with 50 years ago this week. 1970 saw the release of Bernardo Bertolucci's The Conformist, which is a fun movie about fascism. Yay! It's actually, honestly, it might be the prettiest movie ever about fascism. I mean, it's about this guy who's has to he's been ordered to go you know assassinate like his former mentor and then we see sort of flashbacks of how how and why does one get into fascism and you see like some good times and some bad times and what is the mentality that makes someone well it says it right in the title a conformist that he, he need to fit in so much that he would be part of something that is trying to take away his individuality and use him as a weapon to hurt others it is a gorgeous movie, very 30s art deco, incredible cinematography by Vittorio Storaro, who also did Last Emperor with Bernardo Bertolucci. So yeah, definite recommend. And then uh, on much, much lighter side, 10 years before that, it's 1960s, the 60th anniversary of The Magnificent Seven. Woo! Just an all-round fun movie, if you like guns instead of samurais. Obviously, The Seven Samurais is better, but The Magnificent Seven... I mean, there's a reason they remake this just over and over and over. Like, literally remake it, or figuratively, as the Three Amigos, or A Bug's Life. Because it's about, you know, these small villagers, and they need help, and they round up a bunch of gunfighters who are played by, like, the coolest people ever, like Yul Brynner and Steve McQueen and Charles Bronson and James Coburn. And then they have to, you know, fight this uh, evil bandit played by Elak Wallach, who's eating some scenery and having a real good time. So, if you've never watched the original Magnificent Seven... There's parts of it that are, like, carbon copied out of The Seven Samurai, and it's a little weird if you watch them back-to-back, but if you just watch it on its own, it's it's just a, it's just a fun ride. So, original Magnificent Seven from 1960, and The Conformist, uh, 1970, and that's it for this week. Stay classic. Coming into 2010 with Like a G6 by Far East Movement. It is number two mm. on the charts this week. On my jet, sipping Sizzurp. I have never <laughs> heard this before, but it does seem... I can see it being a, quite the lady anthem if you're on the way to the club or the oh. circus, if ladies do that. We're watching warm-ups at FSU football game. Exactly. Like I said last week, that's when the album came out. And we didn't <laughs> drop it because I had to play hot for teacher. So we're dropping it now. Yeah. Um, also new this week, October 16th to the 22nd, 2010, we have Suddenly Yours by All-Star Weekend, self-titled uh, album by Bad Books, Small Craft on a Milk Sea by Brian Eno, The Union by Elton John and Leon Russell, Sale El Sol by Shakira, uh, and Wide Awake by Joe McElderly. McElderly. Teehee, I am McElderly. Just the Way You Are by Bruno Mars is still number one. Welcome to 2010, everyone. What an exciting year. Unless you like movies. <laughs> um, but It's another pack of strange ones, man. Yeah, I have never... No blackface, but we are going to go coast to coast on dogs and things happening to dogs in movies. Oh, goodness. Hmm. All right. Um, Just saying. Stone? I don't know. Robert De Niro, Edward Norton, and Mila Jovovich? Stone. 
Stone. Well, this one, it barely got released. It got mixed reviews. Robert De Niro is... He's a retiring uh, prison guard or uh, like parole officer, and he's working with Edward Norton, who's trying to get out of prison, and Mia Jovovich is Edward Norton's girlfriend. And mm-hmm. I know you have a big old crush on Mia Jovovich, and you love sure. her so much, and that's why you should not watch this, Chris, because oh, no. she has sex with Robert De Niro in it. Oh, God. oh puppet face! Oh goodness, he makes his beaker face, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. puppet face! I do you, doing you, do me. <laughs> 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 um, uh, also out this week, uh, Jesus, Ewan Bren- Brenner, uh, Lucy Punch, Josh Brolin, Naomi Watts, Frida Pinto, uh, Gemma Jones, Antonio Banderas, Anthony Hopkins, uh, you will meet a tall, dark stranger. Well, we have a giant fucking cast, mm-hmm. and we're not sure why we have them here. It's because it's a Woody Allen joint. Ah! Uh, we're, we're in the... Woody Allen London phase, which came out with some great movies like Matchpoint, mm-hmm. and some that are just sort of haphazard, sloppy all over the place, like this one. Mm. Sorry, y'all. I mean, but yeah, I mean, it's about like these interlocking couples and everyone's cheating on everyone else and everyone's what? got angst and everyone's neurotic. No. Yeah. Well, at least this is new territory for Woody <laughs> fucking Allen. Which is pretty much what every Wait, review was. Does someone have a young niece that he tries to Uh-oh. seduce? Uh-oh. I believe there is some age inappropriateness, but not that bad. Well, <sighs> timber me shivers. I am surprised. <laughs> I don't. You know, as long as it's less than 20 years age difference, then it's okay. I I'm okay with that, actually. Uh, yeah. Even when you're Dude, 20? Matchpoint is so good, oh. and no. This is just, mm, eh, mm. Uh, can, yeah. wow, Jay Moore popping up again. Good for you. Jay Moore, Bryce, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, and Matt Damon in the movie Hereafter, also out this week. Give me your hands. You're that psychic. You have a gift. It's not a gift. It's a curse. I think you experienced death. If you're worried about being on your own, don't be. You're not. Hereafter, rated PG-13, October 22nd. All I could remember is, like, just from the first shot, like, this is a Clint Eastwood movie I missed. Oh, boy. Yeah. Is it really? This, it is so not Clint Eastwoody. I have no idea what attracted him to this. Yeah. Huh. It's, it's so odd, because in some ways, it's like a really dressed up Hallmark movie. Like, really dressed up. <laughs> I mean, the music kind of gives that away a little bit. Yeah, so Matt Damon is uh, a psychic who hates having the ability to, like, talk to people who are past, like, in a cold reading sense, which already bugs me in this movie because so much of what he says, he could be making up doing cold reading with, you know, the John Edwards sort of, like, did she have dark hair? I'm seeing someone with dark hair. Like, that kind of bullshit. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, uh, Cécile de France, who's a French actress, plays a woman who's caught in the big Indian Ocean tsunami and uh, almost, well, it, like, briefly dies. That sequence is fucking incredible. And I believe hmm. the movie got an Oscar nomination for visual effects just wow. based on that scene because it is fantastic. And it is, like, five minutes into the movie, too, if you just want to watch that part. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's good and terrifying. But because she has this, like, brief life after death experience. And then there's also uh, these two British twins whose mom is like a junkie and they're trying to cover for her with social services. And then their stories like start, start overlapping about like people who have passed and is their life after death. And I'm searching for answers. And then they all start coalescing together, all these different characters. 
so most of it is like super low key, quiet drama stuff of lots of longing looks and just quiet acting. And I'm not sure why Clint Eastwood was so interested in this. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's very slow. I can't, it's not that it's bad, but it is a little on the corny side. Well, I, cool. I don't. The yeah. Clint Eastwood movie coming. I believe it was. It was. It, it's all wrapped up in Spielberg shit. There's all these. <laughs> what is it? Frank Marshall, Kathleen Kennedy. They're the producers on it. Um, huh. Yeah. So it's like it's a Spielberg shepherded film that Clint Eastwood eventually got involved in somewhere around hmm. the time of the Paramount split. Hmm. It yeah. kind of there is a sort of old school Spielbergy heartfeltness. Mm-hmm. I can see why maybe he would be attracted to. It's like, yeah. Again, it's like I can't say it's bad. I can't say I wasted my time, but. Mm-hmm. I did get kind of bored. <laughs> and uh, at the end of it, I was like, well, that happened. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, the tsunami sequence is really, really impressive. You do Oof. not think of Clint Eastwood as an action director or a disaster film director, but wow. That really is sequence. any sequence that deals with that tsunami is chilling to me to watch. Mm-hmm. Like I just had to look up actually uh, the impossible, which we'll talk oh. about in two years because that whole movie is chilling yeah Yeah. i have been um i don't know maybe there's something going on in like our zeitgeist that's making me think a lot about death and Mm -hmm. and like what happens after you die so i think i might have to pass on this one just because i prefer to like watch my vampire diaries pretend that death is not going to happen for all that that does not bode well for all uh at all for paranormal paranormal activity too Which, which, not unlike Jackass, is like is like hilarious to see these movies that cost like a like forty five cents in a balloon, just <laughs> just just topple all of these like studio movies every single time. Uh, yeah, dude, like these these films are shot on Nest, and they end up defeating. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I, uh, yeah, I think I've told that story before. I thought I watched it, and I was like, I didn't like the rape scene though. And my friends are like, rape scene, like. I got fucking Asylum filmed on early Netflix. I watched the fucking knockoff on accident. Thought I'd been walked around for like a year thinking I watched Paranormal Activity. But the truth is, <laughs> these movies scare the fucking shit out of me. I hate oh, them. Yeah. And, and like they are, I find them very effective to their credits. And yeah, I, I am I am legit uncomfortable watching these films. Espe- mm. as, like the because uh, I tried watching the first one. Like I'm alone. I cannot do this. And, <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, very effective. The, I think the beginning of what a six movie series, uh, mm-hmm. the first sequel to Paranormal Activity, number one at the box office, starring a bunch of people I don't know. Okay, so this is the freakiest thing that happened to me last night. This is the door closing by itself. Dad, there's off. obviously hey, something in that honey, house. Please, it's enough. First, demand it at paranormalmovie.com. Mm, yeah, demand just, it. Just, yeah. just very, very clever. Like all, like kind of going out of its way to not show you a ghost, and how elaborately can they do that with the believ- mm. believability of a surveillance camera? Mm. Um, yeah. I'm, well, I think that's. Look, I, I'm a giant wimp, and mm. when I do watch these, I watch them like on my phone in the daylight. <laughs> I, I, I get freaked out by. I'm, 
But because I hate jump scares, and I know there's yeah. going to be jump scares. In I, dude, I hate like a, a lens flare and a scary music on a fucking Facebook video. Nobody <laughs> knows if the Civil War ghost ever bit anybody, but one thing's for sure: we won't go. In a, I fucking ha- I hate this shit. I yeah. hate so, I hate flashes and survey and shitty camera work. It's so scary to me. Yeah. So I mean, the first one is is so so handmade you know mm-hmm. it is so low budget and it's fun that they got like a little bit of budget and a little stuff but you know the first one it's like a big fear of it is like what's happening when you sleep mm-hmm. and yeah everyone can relate to that and then this one which yeah. is actually a prequel they keep becoming prequels they're they're all going backwards in time so this is a <laughs> prequel to that one about like how did this happen to this girl that just does the crazy shit in the first one and this one relies on security cameras which anyone who has ever played five nights at freddy's know mm-hmm. security cameras are scary yes truly i streamed it with your husband and i have never seen anybody jump so high uh during a game stream <laughs> i yeah. don't know what happened in that game stream um yeah paranormal activity 2 number one of the box office this week um let's move on well, to- actually, part, <laughs> of the thing, hmm. part of the thing that's so scary about these paranormal activity movies though is that like it's set in someone's bedroom right while they're sleeping Mm -hmm. while they're practicing death like sleeping is just practice for dying good lord dead so like all that's why it's so scary wow (laughs) i I just i have a really cryptic way to say goodnight to my girlfriend tonight (laughs) i'm gonna go dabble in a little death night as if as if i ever go to bed after her before you You do that uh, hopefully you'll do the petite more (laughs) first little death then fake death television of 2010 (laughs) october 16th through the 22nd uh this one also i mean paranormal activity too it's not just like oh no something bad is going to happen to me while i sleep it's more you know oh no something's coming for my baby and and here's our third movie with a dog the second one where a bad thing happens to a dog oh fuck that yeah not and uh, quickly down under, it's dingoes. Dingoes try to eat a baby. Right. Uh, this As one, demons. <laughs> demons try to eat a doggy. Oh. And best in show, the dogs are all okay. Yeah. And, uh, They're the best. They're good boys. And uh, <laughs> moving to television, hopefully, <laughs> October 16th to the 22nd. Uh, As the World Turns has its finale after 54 seasons uh, since yeah. 1956. Yeah, it was the highest rated soap opera for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it had 13,858 episodes. That's I love so it. I, I am just, I, <sighs> I bring this up every time we talk about soap operas, but I am fascinated by this art form. Like, yeah. it's so cool. These people are just doing it, man, every day. And especially now, just side note, like during COVID, they're going back to filming. But whenever they're showing, like, kiss, like any, shot where someone has to be closer than six feet apart they're using mannequins oh my god like they're going over the shoulder with like mannequins and then if they have to show any sort of like kissing scenes or love scenes they are using the actor's partner like in real life who is you know you guys all thought i was stupid for buying that real doll now i'm gonna rent that shit out Uh yeah (laughs) it's kind of amazing i mean Soap operas like cockroaches and Twinkies, they will, it'll, they'll keep going. I don't know. I'm, I, I was just looking. There's, there's only four left. Um, they're dying off, but they're, 
they're hanging in there. Old the beautiful days of our lives, General Hospital and Young and the Restless are still on the airwaves. Two on mm. CBS, two on the other networks. Um, I can't wait for Netflix to launch General Hospital, the new generation. Well, I like, mean, that's the thing I never get tired. <laughs> it's gonna happen. Get tired of talking about. Most shows become beloved from rewatching and like re-experiencing shows who can re-experience 13,000 episodes <laughs> who can do that who can watch all of that at all like I, most people I, no. I just dove in and started from there because it's it's just a comic book like just yeah, keep the story no going. going back you you just jump on it just never stops you, you just got to jump onto that ride man I know it is yeah. it is it is a it is a form I wish was documented a little better because every time we look into this I'm like I want to find a famous clip but you know 70 year old yeah. ladies don't know how to use mm-hmm. YouTube very well It's truly fascinating. But it is also a big, big week for British imports. These have already aired over in the UK, but Luther hits BBC America and Sherlock makes, I think it's television debut on PBS. It might have hit Netflix before this, but uh, two huge, huge shows. I don't know Luther, like just sort of ended and Sherlock has not ended yet. Technically. 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 For me, I... for me, it might have because the last season was a little silly, but those yeah, first yeah. five 90-minute episodes are fantastic. Phenomenal. Really, Yeah, really in good. my heart, Sherlock has ended. But yeah, Luther I never actually finished because I think I said this when we talked about Luther originally, but Sam and I were super into British murder shows at that point. So mm-hmm. we were like consuming them all, like The Fall and, you know, Grandchester and all of them. And then... I watched Luther, and Luther was by far the scariest one to me. <laughs> like, the the killers on that were way more depraved. And that's saying something, because British murder shows are always like, oh, the killer loves to strangle his victims, and then, like, put a teapot up their bum hole or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I've known Idris Elba for since The Wire. I've loved him. But I think a lot of people, this is how he's kind of a household name nowadays, because of... Mm-hmm. Luther hitting all yeah. the streaming platforms. Not for J skills. Uh, for which one? DJ. Oh, not for Z. No, Jesus, no. that was not good. Hobbs and Shaw. Listen no. to those credits. No, uh, I think this absolutely was his breakout of like, oh, he's gone from oh that guy to oh. It's Luther. Yeah, just about yeah. every lady I know is like it's Lufa. Mm, Luther. Luther. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and on the twenty twenty first of October, The Office airs The Sting. Yeah, this is a fun one because we got till it. Timothy Oliphant for uh, 2000 and now in 2010 mm-hmm. where he Timothy Oliphant plays a paper salesman from a rival company that Dwight and Jim and everyone is kind of obsessed with because he's such a good salesman. And so <laughs> they try to recruit him into Dunder Mifflin and they set up kind of a sting to kind of figure out like what his skills are. But it, the problem is that everyone is so fucking horny for him <laughs> because timothy oliphant is a beautiful man and like everyone they so they try to set up a sting with like meredith pretending like she's ordering paper from him and she like totally blows it because like come on she plays like the horniest character but then they try to do it like oscar and that doesn't work either it's just like yeah I, and i mean i love this episode so much because it, like you don't often get television episodes or, or situations where people acknowledge like how fucking attractive the actor is like <laughs> in the show. And so the fact that everyone, male and female, are so horny for Timothy Oliphant is so funny <laughs> to me. Mm. And true to life. And uh, mm. as far as games go, remember, patreon.com slash laser time. Oh, I didn't give the plug to the boy from up top. 
who's got a big confusing name. Uh, our patron of this week, our executive producer this week is Matthew Schultz. I'll toss him a little plug at the end, including his full name, which is ridiculous. But on patreon.com slash laser time, you get a bunch of bonus content there. We're throwing some commentaries up we've recently been doing. Um, and uh, sick of Star Wars, a bonus time this week, me talking to my buddy Kev, who is trying to run a movie theater and video store during a pandemic. Uh, let's, yes, Godspeed to him. Uh, he's made it this far. And, uh, but we also will talk more in depth about the video games, the video game apocalypse guys. And this is a huge, huge week. This, this week alone, Kirby's epic yarn, uh, Kirby's Wii game where he's played a little, little with little threads of yarn, DJ hero two, <laughs> the guitar hero for DJs or Idris Elba saw two flesh <laughs> and blood. Um, I do not know what that game is. Maybe Michael can tell us more about Naruto Shippuden ultimate Ninja storm Two. uh, EA sports, MMA fallout. New Vegas is out this week as is rock oh. the dead, a zombie game. You play with your guitar hero guitar, uh, platinum's, uh, vanquish criminally underrated and the debut of, one of my favorite games of all time, Angry Bird Seasons. No, although that is out. Super Meat Boy, Super Meat Boy uh, debuts on Xbox Live this week, 10 years ago. Now, all the people who usually comment at me can feel old, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that almost wraps up our show. We do, we, we're going to tell you who died and who lived, as well as, well as a birthday quiz. But I do want to plug patreon.com slash later time. It's how we're supported. All of us, uh, all of our equipment, all of our hosting, um, even when it goes bad, like on a day like today. But our, one of our executive producers is Matthew will become a ghost to haunt Austin's Bussy Schultz. That's his full Patreon name. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. I, I, I want to think he copy and pasted in the wrong field. That'd be hilarious. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, thank you guys so much. We've been, uh, uh, we're almost five seasons into 30 2010. Thanks to you yeah. guys. So we can't thank you guys enough. Five bucks, all we ask for. Um, if you can't do it, we understand. These are weird times. If you can, We'd appreciate it. Anyway, Di, where can people find you? He can find me on the Twitter at ListenNerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast, 302010podcast. And let's see, coming up next week, I think we have one of those anthology horror movies you were talking about. Mm. We have one of the most I know it. Yes. disappointing horror sequels of all time. Okay. And a better horror sequel of all time and a great episode of community oh my god this is Mm -hmm. this is incredible Mm -hmm. it's a packed week Mm -hmm. yeah and laser time should be about anthology shows as soon as i can get the website fixed and that up sorry about the delay uh who who, did we lose anybody in this period uh we did in 2010 this week we lost tom bosley who is 83 uh he was uh the dad on happy days and the Mm -hmm. sheriff on murder she wrote and Father Dowling of the Father Dowling Mysteries. Total ah. hey, it's that guy. Yeah, that's how I know him is this Father Dowling for sure. Yeah. And with those deaths out of the way, the bubba bu- births. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. Oh man, we have some birthday buddies this week. Uh oh. We have two people born same day, same year, exact same age, just like John Cena and John Oliver. Which, <laughs> what? I love when that that's John Oliver's had that as like a running gag now on last week tonight. And I got so many messages of people saying, I already knew that from 302010. That's so funny. <sighs> All right. So our first birthday buddy was born Harris Glenn Milstead, October 19, 1945 in Baltimore, Maryland. In what year? 1945. These guys are turning 75 years old. Harrison Ford. Thank you. Unfortunately, 
We've only talked about one of his movies because he died in 1988 at age 42. Uh, that movie was Hairspray, the original one, but he's also in Lust in the Dust, Mondo Trasho, Multiple Divine. Maniacs. There you go. Uh, Female Trouble and Plank Blues. Yes, Divine. Would have been 75. Now, who is man enough to share a birthday with Divine? I ask you. Could it be this person who was also born October 19th, 1945 in Rochester, New York? His dad was a theater director and his mom a former actress. He is a Mayflower descendant, and Coretta Scott King was his babysitter when he, she was in college. What? <laughs> Before she married MLK, she babysat this guy and his siblings. Okay. He went to Harvard, received a Fulbright scholarship to the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts in London. Since then, he has two Tonys, six Emmys, two Golden Globes, and been nominated for four Grammys and two Oscars. Cool. So it's someone fancy. Yes. Mandy Patinkin. Decent guess, but I don't think he's a C-45. Anyway. I love him very much. I don't think he's a Mayflower descendant. Because mm, he's Jewish. Anyway. True. Fun, fun tidbits about this guy. He was offered the role of Fraser Crane and turned it down. Uh, and he voiced Yoda in the Star Wars radio adaptations. Oh, shit. Um, oh, fudge me. I used to know this. I used to know this. <laughs> okay, one more fun fact. His film debut was in a movie called Dealing or the Berkeley to Boston 40 Brick Lost Bag Blues. <laughs> Guess what that's about. Is that an after-school special? No. <laughs> All right, so films of his that we've talked about, most of these are not very helpful. The Manhattan Project, Leap Year, A Civil Action, Dreamgirls. Not, it's not Eddie not Murphy. Robert <laughs> no, Confessions of a Shopaholic, Memphis Bell last week. Ed Harris, Don Quixote, no. Jason Strather. That's not Jay his name. Over, uh, Jason Strather. David Strather. David Strather. Still wrong. <laughs> 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 We've also talked about him on Dexter. John Lithgow. There you go. Harry oh. and the Hendersons and Third Rock of the Sun. And next year we get to talk about it. He's going to have a great year next year. L.A. Story, Ricochet, Shrek, and Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Talk about L.A. Story? He's a great Frasier. Oh, John Lithgow would have been an amazing Frasier. Mm. Yeah. Who we, we talk about this week while talking about the Twilight Zone movie. For not just there for depressing reasons. John Lithgow is yep. great in that shit. John Lithgow is a fucking treasure. He's what? In the Yoda? In the Star Wars radio plays, yeah. Funny to me. That's weird. I know. I want to. I want to listen to that now. Like, what the fuck kind of voice I, I, is he doing for Yoda? I hope he didn't change his voice at all. <laughs> <laughs> there is no try. Just do. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, th that about wraps up our show. What are we closing out with this week, time? I figure we can close out with the obvious trial by Paul Simon because it's got awesome drums in it. I am going to have to agree because I don't have to think about it. But thank you very much to everyone for listening. Maybe tell a friend about the show. Maybe consider becoming a patron. Uh, maybe consider voting this year. We'd really appreciate that, too. If you made no, it this far on the show, odds are I like how you're going to vote. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, until next time, take us out. Paul Simon. Why? Why deny the obvious child? Why deny the obvious